Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. 8 o'clock, welcome back. John Johnson with you. And shall we take a break? We know there's a big game going on with the Eagles and Steelers tomorrow. But one of the other major franchises in this town is certainly at a crossroads, a lot of uncertainty, uh, not a lot of positive vibes surrounding them. As uh, John Middleton spoke, uh, Philly's managing partner, last week and certainly left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. Now, one of the reporters there covering that press conference, or I should say Zoom, uh, certainly pinned the managing partner on questions about J.T. Realmuto. He's a former producer here at WIP. He's moved on to greater things. He's a writer for Radio.com for Phillies Nation. His name is Tim Kelly. Yo, Tim! What's going on, John? It's uh, good to talk to you. <laughs> it's It's been a while, and i I got to be, to be perfectly honest, um, you, you've done, a, uh, this past season, you've done a great job uh, covering the Phillies. The questions you've been asked and have been more than pertinent. They've come at, it's it's so tricky when you guys are doing nothing but Zooms, but the timing of the questions has been perfect. And the one with John Middleton, boy, you, you nailed him perfectly. And that's, I got to start there. So you asked him towards the end of his media availability about JT Romuto. And um, one of the follow-up questions was, well, when you traded Sixto Sanchez and Jorge Alfaro, to get Real Muto was the intent to re-sign him. And he responded, yes, we thought, I, I thought the, I think he said the baseball, pe- I thought the baseball people would get it done. Uh, Tim, he's the managing partner. He's the reason Harper signed, Girardi, a couple others. At no point in time did he consider throwing himself in there? Yeah, it was certainly an interesting answer. And it's funny because in the middle of that Zoom press conference, my, uh, internet actually crashed so i was scrambling to get back on there and i got on just in time to ask the last question i asked that not really knowing exactly what i was getting myself into but the answer that he gave me essentially that he didn't want to make the trade if there wasn't an extension for jt real muto as part of the trade it felt like something he was hoping to get off his chest if someone gave him that chance and i i guess that's what i did uh, now i i I hated the fact that he was very defensive about it when he says the baseball people. I mean, Tim, I'm just I'm fascinated by this because when you acquire somebody like that, he as he pointed out to you, his intention was to re-sign him. And it's gone from that to now, oh, yeah, we knew he was going to test free agency for some time. And then reiterate, spoke about it a little bit before your question that um, what the franchise makes – in terms of attendance, what their revenue is going to be is going to dictate now what they spend in the offseason? Yeah, it didn't leave people with a great taste in their mouth. John Middleton said it's a priority to re-sign JT Realmuto, but then he also said a lot of it's going to depend on whether the Phillies believe they're going to be able to have fans and to what extent they're going to be able to have fans at the stadium next year. There was a study that came out today in Philadelphia Business Journal that suggests they lost about $186 million. The flip side of that, though, 
is that the Yankees lost more, the Mets lost more, the Nationals lost more, all the teams you're talking about potentially competing to sign JT Real Muto with, they lost more. So if those teams are willing to go out and spend this offseason, and the Mets do have new owners, so it's not an exact comparison. But, yeah, I mean, I, I listened to John Middleton say that, and I really got the sense that, yeah, he preferred it get done with an extension, but maybe he just preferred, and I would agree with him on this, that it not get done at all, that he maybe thought Sixto Sanchez was worth keeping. And I think what we saw from Sixto Sanchez this year in Miami makes you think that mm -hmm. even if the Phillies do re-sign JT Real Muto, you may live to regret that trade. Yeah, I, unfortunately, that very well could be the case. Uh, let's backtrack to earlier in the press conference. And I, the decision to keep Andy McPhail on board uh, to help find the next general manager. First of all, Tim, your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I guess I wasn't surprised because there wasn't an announcement coupled with the Matt Klintak thing, and there wasn't even really serious speculation in the days leading up to it that McPhail was on the hot seat. So I think for anyone that's maybe frustrated by that, I would say that John Middleton all but said Andy McPhail is going to be phasing into a different role and kind of moving out of the role of president next year when his contract's up. So that's kind of the, the spin if you're looking for something in the other direction. But I found it uh, so incredibly infuriating when uh, I believe it was Megan Montemira who asked him the question about why uh, keep McPhail, you know, the confidence level and why have him there when he selected Matt Klintak, which turned out to be a mistake. And his response was, you know, he's won two World Series, right? I mean, it just, Tim, it was so insulting to, to, to throw that back at a reporter when it First of all, it was 28 years ago. The man hasn't had a winning record in 16 years. I, I just I don't understand where this quick defense comes from as opposed to kind of just laying it out the way that it was. Well, the exchange Howard had with him right after that was uh, very funny. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think what you're saying is legitimate. I will say when he left Baltimore immediately after that, they got good in the sense that he kind of laid the foundation and left because his dad was having some help from him. So that's true. But this organization right now, maybe they're in a better situation than they were five years ago, but that's not really saying much. And you feel like with this organization, they're on the cusp of wasting the primes of Bryce Harper yeah. and Aaron Nola. And maybe you don't have to worry about wasting the prime of JT Real Muro anymore because he may not be here. Yeah, well, here's and Tim Kelly, nice enough to join us. Radio.com Sports, Phillies Nation, formerly of WIP. So, uh, Tim, what's really concerning me at the very moment, it, everything John Middleton said, uh, it certainly had me discouraged. But the thing I think most of all beyond Andy McPhail still being in place for the time being and helping aid in finding the next general manager is the fact that Ned Rice, Matt Klintak's assistant, who, I mean, they're basically the same person, they have the same mindset, will be the interim. Uh, but the issue with that is John Middleton made it clear that you know, it's going to take longer than normal to find the next general manager as a result of the coronavirus. Tim, I mean, I, I don't want to say that sounds ridiculous, but other teams are functioning normally, finding front office members, making changes in the midst of all this. Well, if you remember when the Phillies parted ways with Ruben Amaro in 2015, they did it with about three weeks left in the season, which gave them a head start. And after that offseason, I mean, the Phillies were going into a full rebuild. So it wasn't like there was a lot on the agenda that offseason. There was organizational stuff trying to get things up to standard, but there were key decisions on players at their peaks that you needed to make. Mm -hmm. This offseason, 
I think even if there is ultimately a new president in place, a new general manager in place, whatever the title is by next opening day, I think there's a very real chance that before you hire that, you will have had to have Ned Rice and whoever else is in place, Andy McPhail, maybe some uh, advisory from Pat Gillick, make decisions on JT Realmuto, on D.D. Gregorius. And I just yeah. wonder if they'll look at it and say, well, we want to re-sign JT Realmuto but does this job become more attractive to whoever comes in here next if there's just money to spend as opposed to, yeah, you have JT Realmuto, but you're pressed against the luxury tax? Well, uh, let me let me transfer right over to DD real quick. What do you think his future holds? Do you think the Phillies, I'm sure they'd like to have him back, but do you think they're willing to fork out money to bring him back? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because the qualifying offer amount this year just got announced, $18.9 million. That's a... It's a high mark, and I think, yes, if you offer him that and he declines it and he leaves, you get draft compensation, and that's great. You need draft compensation. Mm -hmm. But if you offer him that and he keeps it and you're saying, hey, things are a little bit tight, he may say, I'll take $18.9 million for next year because I'm not sure he's going to get a multi-year deal. He might on the free agent market, and if it's three or more years, I think the Phillies go in another direction. If it's two, I don't know. If you can get him back – on a one-year deal around $15 million, pretty similar to what you had this year, it makes sense because next year there's a historic class of free agent shortstops, and Bryson Stott, who was your first-round pick a few years ago, is a year closer. But I'm really not sure what to make of Didi Gregorius, and I don't know whether JT Realmuto, whether keeping him or losing him, how that would affect Didi Gregorius. Right. Well, two more questions I have for you, Tim. The second one is really a follow-up to this one I'm about to ask you. I... God, I'm I'm hating about what I'm about to say. Tim, are the Phillies about to be in purgatory? They're just stuck I mean, in no man's that, land. I don't even know that it's about to be. I think that's what they've been in the last <laughs> few seasons. There was a time in the late 1990s where maybe the Yankees could buy their way out of everything. But even the Yankees, the when the Red Sox have been good, the Dodgers, even these major market organizations now are supplementing. When you had Roy Halladay and Cliff Lee and Hunter Pence and guys that you acquired externally in the late 2000s, it worked because you had internal guys like Cole Hamels, Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, etc. You don't have that now. I mean, you have Aaron Nola, Reese Hoskins, and Alex Bohm looks like a really good hitter. But pretty much every notable player on your team right now is uh, someone that you've either traded for or signed. And unless you're willing to blow past the luxury tax threshold which the Phillies and no other team in the sport has shown a willingness to do, you can't build a team like that. And that was something John Middleton essentially said last weekend, is that, yeah, the Phillies have had better results over the last five years in terms of developing talent than they had the previous five years. But when you look around the rest of the division, you see the Nationals mm -hmm. losing Bryce Harper and winning the World Series, and the Braves and go down the list, Ozzie Al Albies, and what the Marlins are doing now, you have not kept up with the teams in your division in terms of developing talent. Yeah, you're now last place in that. Um, I, so, sadly, this leads to my final question for you. Where does that leave? Like, first of all, when I hear this, I'm like, well, that's great. Joe Girardi's contract is now going to be managing a mediocre team, which will, be, will float around the 500 mark, probably a little under, because they have no pipeline right now, and they have aging veterans and nothing but free agents. But then what is ha what happens then – to someone like Bryce Harper, who you're you're very active on social media. You see how he's been pressing for JT Romuto. He signed the contract for 13 years to lower his 
yearly hit in order to bring more talent in. I, if he ends up asking for a trade, how can I blame him? I don't think he'll do that because I do think he was legitimate when he came here and saying, I don't want to no know trade clause because I'm about to have children, which he'll have two by the end of this year, and he wants to be set in a place. So I think he was genuine in saying that, but I also believe he's genuine in how much he's courted JT Real Muto, and he's going to be frustrated. Even if JT Real Muto signs a six- or seven-year deal elsewhere, and you can look at the deal and say, wow, the Phillies maybe even dodged a bullet on that deal because it's not going to age well. It's not going to matter because Bryce Harper, even back to when Bryce Harper was on the Nationals, has been trying to get JT Real Muto on his team. He really does love JT Real Muto. So there's going to be a lot of frustration there, and maybe you can lessen that if you sign another free agent or make a trade, although I don't know what you're trading at this point. (laughs) But, yeah, I think there's going to be quite a bit of frustration, and it may be a lean 2021 if you don't re-sign JT Real Muto. And even if you do, you've been a 500 team within the last two years. Right. I know. It's such a tough spot to be in. Uh, Tim Kelly, Radio.com Sports, Phillies Nation, formerly of WIP, going on to greater things uh, for links to all his stories and the latest Phillies information as it comes out. I suggest you follow him on Twitter, at Tim Kelly Sports. Tim, thanks, man. Great to hear from you. Awesome. Thanks, John. All right, Tim Kelly, nice enough to join us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.